Fika is a very Swedish custom which basically means that you take a break from your activity to have a cup of coffee or tea and maybe eat something sweet. In Fika with us, we are inviting you to join us for a Fika and listen to different topics regarding international student life at Linköping University. In this episode of Fika with us, we are joined by Rebecca a recent graduate from Linköping University. Today we will talk about her master program, what is it about, how did she get here, and what has this program taught her. My name is Abhijit, and let's start the Fika. Welcome, Rebecca. Hello. As today we are going to talk about your master program, please introduce yourself, including what master did you study, and what uh, did you study about, and when did you start studying? All right, so I'm nobody new to the podcast. Uh, it's nice to be on the other side. Um, my name is Rebecca, and I finished the master's in applied ethology and animal biology, which is a mouthful. Um, but basically, I studied uh, animal behavior. I started in August 2020, so two years mm -hmm. ago. And what what was the other question? When did you start studying and What is your master all about? Yeah, so the master's is about animal behavior, but it also focuses a little bit on biology. So why is the behavior happening? Mm -hmm. So it's it's not just the, the study of behavior, but it's also about understanding where behavior comes from. And we have a lot of different uh, subjects that mm -hmm. are quite interesting and quite varied as well, because even though it sounds quite niche and, and a pretty specific topic there is a lot that you can study within that same topic this sounds really interesting and i'm so curious about what's coming next because the program itself speaks a lot about what you have studied and you have a pretty good experience but i'm a bit curious that what did you study in your bachelor's and what made you choose this program okay so i started my bachelor's right after uh, high school so i was 18 when i started studying my bachelor's mm -hmm. and i did a bachelor's in biology so it was literally just uh -huh. called biology <laughs> uh, which again is very very broad because when you when you study biology you can study anything from molecular and cell biology to like microbiology. We had a little bit of biochemistry as well. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we study like ecology, evolution, animal behavior. We had some, we studied some plants along the way. So it was a very, very broad bachelor's program. Um, and it was three years. Um, and I did an exchange in my in the final year of my bachelor's program, and it was in Australia because at the time I was really thinking that I wanted to do my master's program in Australia. If you don't know this about biologists, mo most of the time our favorite country is Australia because all the <laughs> animals there are really weird compared to what you're used <laughs> to seeing, especially in Europe. Yeah. We don't have as much uh, or as visible biodiversity as Australia exactly. does. Exactly. And I was really focused on, oh, I, I really want to do my master's program there. Uh, and then out of nowhere almost came this opportunity to do exchange there. And mm -hmm. 
it was actually my mom that got me to go. Uh, and she was like, oh, you should totally go. I mean, you're thinking of doing your master's there. So like, go check it out and uh, see if you like it. And if it does correspond to your expectations, then you can apply for a master's there. But maybe you realize it's actually not really your thing. Mm -hmm. So I did my exchange there. And that's when I really realized that what I wanted to do was to study animal behavior. Mm -hmm. I'd done some electives here and there. Uh, and it was really interesting. And it was definitely the class that I paid most attention to and that I had the better grades in. So that was a good indicator that animal behavior was what fascinated me the most. But I had a really, really nice professor over there mm -hmm. that studied that and I did a placement with him. And that's when I was like, oh yes, animal behavior. That's, that's what fascinates me. This is also interesting. I just absorbed everything in all the classes there. But one thing that I also realized is that if I wanted to do my master's in Australia, I would have to pay a lot. Uh, true that. <laughs> it is very, very expensive for yeah. international students to study there. And I feel like the education system is probably a little bit more similar to the US. Uh -huh. So you have this system of like taking out loans and then oh, yeah. you're paying for your studies and their schedule is a lot uh, more reduced so and it's quite normal for people to have a part-time job on the side yeah and I was just like this is not exactly what I want I mean I want to study animal behavior and I it doesn't make sense to me that you would have a part-time maybe in you know working in a restaurant or a bar yeah. or a club or a shop yeah. to be able to afford to study what I want and there's no need for me to do that because within Europe studies are more affordable for mm -hmm. someone who's born here and has yeah. European citizenship. So I was just like, I think I'll stick around <laughs> for my master's <laughs> and then see what I do from there. But you had a really good experience in Australia. So the excitement with which you are talking about says a lot about your experience in Australia. So just a simple question, like uh, since you experienced a lot of biodiversity in Australia, which, which one is your favorite animal from Australia? Oh, that is so, <laughs> so hard to say. My personal interest lies more within marine vertebrates. Mm -hmm. So dolphins, whales, seals, penguins. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would say one experience that I really, really enjoyed was to, I was on, on this boat. We had a small field trip that mm -hmm. was, uh, mm -hmm. we were all allowed to go out on a boat. And I remember looking at the water and being like, who dropped their plushy penguin in the water? <laughs> and then I saw it swim. And I was like, oh, that is not a plushy penguin. That is an actual penguin just <laughs> swimming in the water. And they were about, I don't know, like about 30 centimeters. They were Whoa. tiny, absolutely Baby tiny. Penguin. No, no, no. There's a species of oh, penguin that okay. it really is small. Yeah. Uh, and you can go see the parade. And I was just absolutely fascinated that this thing was alive because my brain just immediately went to oh this is someone dropped their plushies <laughs> <laughs> that's how not used I was to seeing penguins like this um but yeah I also just realized that doing my master's there just wasn't really viable yeah uh, and that's why I ended up deciding like I'll stick around in Europe for for my master's mm -hmm. and that's when my quest started to find a master's program in in Europe and I, I really wasn't picky about the specific country I wanted to go a little bit more towards uh, northern Europe because mm -hmm. there's a little bit more resources and research um, I'm originally from Portugal. That's where I did my bachelor's. I probably should have mentioned that. <laughs> um, but I'm also half German. So I, I speak German as well. So I consider Germany for sure as That's well. Good. Mm -hmm. um, and then I basically just, you know, I opened Google and I was like, 
animal behavior master program Best Europe. Europe. <laughs> no, 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 just Europe. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And and Leo was actually one of the first ones that popped up. There were a few other options. I think there was two in England, but I was mm-hmm. just like, mm, Brexit. And, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, COVID at the time wasn't a thing just yet when I started looking. But uh, with Brexit and everything, I wasn't really looking forward to having to get a passport and a visa to, to study Next abroad. process a bit. It, it makes it a bit harder. And, yeah. and if I already have the advantage of being a European citizen, then I wanted to stay within, you know, the European Union and, and probably within Schengen area as well. So even the travel becomes easier. I believe. Yeah. If you, if, if, in yeah. Case you when go you outside. don't need a visa, it's yeah. surprising how much easier it makes it when you don't need a visa. Exactly. Um, yeah, so then at the end, there was basically two options. There was mm-hmm. Linköping uh, in Sweden and there was the Netherlands. I think it was Utrecht. Mm-hmm. They also have a program in animal behavior. Um, but then the fact that Sweden is free <laughs> really appealed to me. Oh, I didn't know uh, that Netherlands is not free for that. No, no. I think it was about 2,000 euros per oh, year. Okay, okay. So uh, more affordable than Australia for sure. <laughs> um, but still quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also looked a little bit into the culture and like kind of once the syllabus and the actual structure of the program was clear to me and it it wouldn't have been a really huge difference. The thing that appealed to me the most was a bit the, the culture of Sweden, yeah. the, the contact with nature, but also that this program, my program, uh, has this connection with the zoo in Kormoden. Mm-hmm. So there, and it's a proper collaboration. It's not just you do one field trip there. You, you interact with the staff from the zoo and we have a professor at the zoo and we have a whole course that happens at the zoo so it is uh, incredibly practical and and this is kind of what persuaded me in the end because I was really looking forward to leaving the theory behind because my mm-hmm. bachelor's was really focused on theory and 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 memorizing and exams and I really wanted to move on from that and have a master's program that was just like hands-on like i'm gonna <laughs> study animals now i'm gonna be outside i'm gonna study them i'm gonna look at real animals and then yeah, study I'm more be about it the lab i'm gonna use tools i'm gonna learn all the things and that's really really what i wanted so that's what ended up persuading me to come to sweden that sounds really amazing <laughs> so you had a pretty good time in your bachelor's and master's too and you get to study what you actually wanted to that's that's fascinating <laughs> but one thing is clicking my mind is did you work after your bachelor's or did you directly start your master's after your bachelor's? So I I did not directly do the master's after my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So I started my bachelor's when I was 18, so directly after high school. And the bachelor's program in Portugal is three years, and I think that's pretty common in Europe. Um, but when I came, I came back from Australia in the summer of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, no COVID? <laughs> no COVID just yet. It was like half a year before COVID. Um, but then I kind of realized that the the period that I was in Australia, I was pretty overwhelmed and I was thinking about the future and everything. Um, and I don't, you probably realize this since you're studying a master's program here as well, but if you want to do a master's program outside your own country, usually you have to apply, to apply far in advance. Uh-huh, so yeah. like several months in advance. And I yeah. came back from Australia and I had applied to nothing. I had looked for no master's program, nothing. 
Um, and my exchange was amazing, but I was a little bit sad that I missed out on this last year with my friends and, and, and everything. So I kind of took this a uh, year off, but not really. So I was, um, I ended up doing two internships during that time. So I, I wasn't studying exactly. I wasn't working exactly either, mm -hmm. but I was trying to, you know, gain some experience and figure out which field I wanted to work in the most. I did an internship in lab work, which has technically not much to do with, um, with animal behavior, but I just wanted to know what that was like to be able to pinpoint a little bit better what I actually want in the future. Mm -hmm. And then surprisingly, when, when COVID started, I actually managed to get this internship with a research group that worked on bee behavior. Uh -huh. um, and I really, really enjoyed that. And I think that really helped me get through the, the initial lockdown that lasted for two or three months in mm -hmm. Portugal, because, um, because I was doing this internship with a research group, I had an excuse to leave the house sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just two other people, a PhD student and, and a lab assistant. And we would go out in the fields and check out like the, the bee colonies and everything. Hopefully so you didn't get stung. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we wore those beekeeper suits. I really? don't know if you know those. But what, the, were they heavy? They're not heavy, but in, in Portuguese summer, it's uh, oh. like 35 degrees and, and you're wearing like head to toe mesh yeah. and it's, it's like mesh on mesh on mesh. So the, so that mm -hmm. the bees aren't able to sting you. So in 35 degree weather, like really, really dry summer, <laughs> you suffer a little bit, <laughs> but it, it was worth it. it. It really, I really enjoy that. And, and I also got my driver's license during that year off. Lucky. So I, I didn't really work between my bachelor's and my master's, but I took kind of a year, half break of studying, but not really break of studying because I was doing the internships. And then, yeah, it was my driver's license as well. And halfway through it, COVID hit. So it ended up being a little bit of a mess. It's great that you took the advantage of the time that you had. Yeah, that, yeah. That's really nice. And it, it gave me a little bit more time to think about what I wanted to do. Because I, I did my bachelor's in Portugal. As I mentioned, mm -hmm. I grew up there. But for my master's, I knew Australia wasn't the answer anymore. But I was sure that I wanted to leave Portugal behind and do a program outside of Portugal nice. and that takes some time to think about and to just get used to the idea that like oh you're you're moving away now <laughs> permanently <laughs> perfectly fine you chose a good country <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm very happy with my decision for sure <laughs> so what were your first impressions back then when you decided to study here what did you think and basically what did you like and uh, what did you not like? What were your first impressions about all, everything? Uh, and this is a trip down memory. <laughs> so I, I remember when I when I first got the results in April. Yeah. Um, my first worry was, am I even going to go to Sweden? Because with the pandemic and the lockdown in Portugal, we would get news of how Sweden has taken a different approach to mm -hmm. like COVID and, and didn't really proceed with a lockdown, but traveling between countries was still really, really hard. So my first thought was actually, am I even going to go to Sweden this summer or is my program just going to start fully online? Um, but eventually we did get the confirmation like, no, we will start the semester in person. So everyone needs to actually move here. And that's kind of when it became real. And I was like, oh, I have to, <laughs> I have to go look for accommodation now. Um, and it, it was a bit hard. I ended up getting lucky because so many people uh, dropped out of programs due oh, to the pandemic. Yeah. 
the university had some extra rooms, so I actually managed to get a room without too much stress, which was honestly amazing. And then through the university Instagram, you know, lynchshipping.university, they were doing a little bit of a matchmaking. Simona, the person that was running it at the time, did a bit of matchmaking. So I was able to get in touch with about seven other classmates before I ever got to lynchshipping. And when I did book my flights and I got here, I already knew that two of those people had already arrived. So Mm -hmm. I kind of, I had people waiting for me. That's the best part, which I would uh, also remember from my, when I came last year here. (laughs) It is, it is something (laughs) else. And it really, it's amazing to be able to chat with people beforehand. Yes. Because that just makes you feel a little bit more safe because everyone's just panicking like, oh my God, what if I don't make friends? Like, what if I come here and just all my classmates hate me for some reason <laughs> and uh, I just don't make any friends and I'm just miserable for the entire time so I, I feel like chatting makes it easier yeah. than talking in person for yeah. many people I, I I prefer talking in person but there yeah, are many yeah. people who who are not so confident when they meet in person so they, they feel like uh, when they make friends through chatting and then they meet in my case when I arrived uh, I had a friend uh, who was living here from a long time and he had a car and it was so smooth. He came to pick me at the airport. Oh, yeah. So that, that that's what, uh, I, I love that part of matchmaking. That's a luxury. <laughs> I came during one of the arrival days. So mm-hmm. I, I took advantage of the shuttle. I had a flight to Stockholm and then mm-hmm. I came with the train. Yeah, uh, It went pretty smoothly. I I would say I'm someone that's fairly used to moving countries at this point. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't, it wasn't too big of a panic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did read a lot of the blogs and I I followed the Instagram religiously during, as soon as I got admitted all the way through getting here, I followed the Instagram religiously. So I had all the tips and tricks. Mm -hmm. And two days after I got here, I had already bought my bike. Mm-hmm. So I could uh, run around back and forth. And I, I did for the first couple of weeks. I really did just bike around all the time. Um, and then I went to pretty much all the events that ESN and ESA had to offer. Yeah. Because I was like, I refuse to be lonely and sad. <laughs> Especially <laughs> so, when you're new in a new country yeah, and you yeah. need friends at the so moment. So I was just like, I'm not super social. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. So extended social contact is a little bit hard (laughs) but for those first three weeks I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna pull through and I'm gonna go to like every second or third day I had an event I'm pretty sure it would have been worth it yeah, it it was, but after three weeks, uh, and then when classes finally started, yeah. I just crashed. I had plans with my friends that weekend, um, and we're all kind of introverts, and it was really funny because we kind of just texted each other like, "Hi, I know we made plans this weekend to go like grocery shopping together and like go to IKEA and whatever. Can we postpone that? <laughs> like my social, really? <laughs> my social batteries just drained, and then the reply came, and they were just like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad you said that because." I was really dreading to go. <laughs> Like-minded people. So that first weekend after the start of class, we just all stayed home and we didn't talk to each other. But it was quite nice. I mean, it had been three weeks of intensive social activities. Yeah. And when you first get to a country, like 
even going to the supermarket just takes so much time because don't every, know where everything's in is. Swedish and you don't know where things are. And then you're like, is this butter? Is this margarine? Is this, I don't know what this is. Or like, is this milk or is this like oh, sour yeah. yogurt or <laughs> I, language? I've bought a few wrong things before. And then I was like, this is not what I expected it to be. So my recommendation for students would definitely be come early. So you, you have this time to just explore everything because when you get yeah. to a new country, exactly. everything is new, everything's surprising and everything takes just so much longer because mm -hmm. it is new and you're not used to it eventually you get used to it but yeah i was i was thrilled to to come to a new program luckily um i knew one of the guy from my corridor and it was so surprising that we end up in ended up being in same corridor without any intention so when i arrived here he took me to the supermarket and introduced me to every section and told me you could get oh you had here. a guy that's cheating yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he helped me a lot. And then uh, I took advantage of Google. You know, I, I used the translate. I opened the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that. I still have it on my phone because yeah. every once in a while there's some, some word in Swedish. And I'm like, what, what is this? What is this? <laughs> and then I pull out my, my trusted translator app. I, yes. I still have it on my phone. I, but I remember the first time I went shopping with uh, two, two of my friends from my program. I think we spent like three hours oh. in Ikamaxi because I mean Ikamaxi is huge I know I know um yeah. and also we were just not used to anything so it was kind of like a social hangout but at the same time we all it needed to do grocery shopping but we didn't know where anything was so we walked back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and we were like what is this, this is in Swedish I don't understand anything <laughs> so when we when we got home I looked at my watch and I was like it's been almost four hours oh. <laughs> since we left the house like what did we do in the supermarket <laughs> For four hours, yeah, watching two movies. <laughs> <laughs> it, it took a long time, but I mean, Tornby has a lot to explore. There's yeah. a lot of shops there, so yeah, it was, it was a lot. But it, it's but it was, it's hear. very fun. Yeah, it's glad to hear that you had an amazing initial experience. So let's talk a little more about your program and how did you like the education style in Sweden? Like about the lectures, about the assignments. Uh, how do you compare it from the education back home? Yeah, so I, my bachelor's was really theory focused. I can't really speak for the master's program in Portugal because I never did a yeah. master's program there. But the thing that appealed to me the most in, in this program was really just that it was practical. And, and it really delivered on there. I would say for, for this program specifically, there's very little focus on theory. Mm -hmm. um, most of the exams are from home exams so you you have like 48 hours to solve the exam so you're That's amazing yeah so your your teacher basically sends this exam to you um and it's like you can use whatever resources available to you you can use wikipedia you can use the internet you can use um whatever book that you feel like is appropriate just don't copy off of each other um because a lot of the questions aren't really about memorizing things they're about interpreting things so you have this experience experiment described to you and you're supposed to write like a small like a very a couple of paragraphs about what you think this experiment was for why do you think this experiment was made and what results came out of it? So it's it's a lot more about interpreting and, and formulating experiments and 
applying what you learn in class to real life examples. So there really is very little focus on theory. And and I appreciated that because my bachelor's was kind of like the opposite. There was a lot of theory. Of course, we had a few practicals, but it was mostly focused on theory. And the exams were like your stereotypical exam. Like yeah. you come to the lecture hall and you have two hours to solve the exam and you can only have one pen, one pencil, an eraser <laughs> and a very basic calculator with you and nothing else. And if you have your bottle shouldn't be have any kind of print. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And if you have any, if you if your phone's discovered on you, even if it's fully off, then you're immediately disqualified. So this was a bit of a breath of fresh air because I, I really, and it is my personal opinion that in these kinds of subjects, it's amazing to do these kinds of at home exams because it's a lot more about the interpretation. It's a lot more about how you express yourself in writing because once you're done with the master's, it's going to be really important to you that you write proper articles, even if you're not going to publish in journal. Communication is essential because, you know, science is not science unless you write it down. That's a very, very typical uh, sentence. So if you don't learn how to write science properly and express yourself and your experiments and what you did properly, you're never going to get funding and those kinds of things. So that was very exercise. And I really, really enjoy that. And of course, the zoo, (laughs) which is really just, I would say that's the highlight. I'm so fascinated about that when when you talk about the first time, (laughs) I'm like, oh. That sounds like a really amazing experience. Yeah, I feel like when whenever I talk to engineers, I feel like all the engineers <laughs> that I talk to just think that I came to this like entertainment program. Because uh, yeah. every time I talk to them, it's like, oh, yeah, I was at the zoo. And then we went and saw the chimpanzees. And, you know, we saw the lions. And then we had an assignment that just implied looking at these for two and hours. And that's not a zoo trip. That's a studying. Yeah, More yeah. Importantly. This is what I do for a living. And now you understand why I chose this career path. <laughs> But yeah, so we we also had this entire course that's called zoo biology, which if it wasn't for COVID, we would have lived at the zoo for an entire month for the duration of the program. Um, Oh, and something I didn't mention is that we all our subjects are modular. So we have one subject at a time. So the... The semester is divided in periods. Mm -hmm. So instead of having just one semester and all courses in one semester, you have half a semester, which is called a period. Mm -hmm. And then we have two courses per period, but we didn't have the two courses at the same time. We had one course, then the other, and then it was the period break for examination. And then we had another course and another course, and then we had the examination. And I think compartmentalizing it that way is really, really helpful because then you don't have to be in January struggling to remember whatever you studied in September. Mm-hmm. Everything's still really fresh in your mind. And I think that's nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Oh yeah. The zoo biology course. <laughs> <laughs> we were supposed to live there. Unfortunately, it didn't work out because of uh, COVID, but we, we talked to a lot of vets and we were, we learned a lot about how, just how complex zoos are. Mm-hmm. And that was quite new to me because, I mean, I've heard of zoos before and, and as a, a biologist and, and in conservation, you always talk about how zoos are an important tool for conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really learned just how much thought goes into what happens at a zoo, because obviously you're keeping these wild animals captive 
And there's a lot of things you need to think about to make sure that these animals are living a good life because you don't want them to be stressed. You want them to live their best life. Sounds um, interesting a lot. <laughs> and of course, uh, contrary to popular belief, most wild animals in zoos these days were actually born in captivity. So there's very, very few animals that are actually taken from the wild to be put in a zoo. Yeah. So if you think about dolphins, for example, most dolphins you'll see at zoos these days, certified zoos, let's let's clarify, certified yeah. zoos were born in a zoo. So they're 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 not domesticated, but they are born captive. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you need to be careful about inbreeding because there is a limited amount of captive dolphins in the world. Mm-hmm. So a lot of zoos do exchanges of animals constantly, all the time. So I think at the time, Kormoden was going to receive like this dolphin from Denmark or something. Um, and that just fascinated me because there there is a lot of thought and study and, and a lot of things that need to be thought through. It's it's not mm-hmm. just someone it's the, it's not just on animals in, in enclosures. It's it's a lot more than that. And I, I really like learning about that. My my personal interest is more with wild animals, yeah. but I still learned a lot that is no less fascinating just because it's not my main interest and and i think that's great so, so after having this amazing experience of this master's <laughs> program at lynchup university and specifically the zoo that you have i believe <laughs> it's a really good time to ask you like looking back from now when you started the master's what stands out the most like what did you like the most was it a professor was it the project was it the subject or an opportunity or the zoo that you were talking about <laughs> or what was your favorite course in in that regards I would say the zoo is most definitely a highlight for me, which I guess is what most people would say. Um, maybe I can do like a very quick run through of what the actual structure of the masters is, because mm-hmm. some people just mm-hmm. didn't realize that well. So we during period one, we have two courses. One's called Applied Ethology, in which it goes through a couple of methods that you can use to analyze animal behavior. And we did a couple of field trips to actually, you know, try those out and 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 actually do those methods, not just yeah. learn about them. Um, then we had the second course in that period was about animal welfare. So we learned mm-hmm. a lot about stress and how we can test for stress uh, and, and what is an, an accurate way that you can measure whether this animal is stressed or not. And there's a lot that can be said about that but it was very very interesting and then that was the end of period one and then we had period two where we talked about uh, neurobiology so a lot about the brain and the complexity of certain behaviors Uh Um, and then and that course specifically was really focused on presentations so we did a lot of presentations during that course it was essentially a like a crash course in quick presentations and I I think it was great Um, and then we had a course about genetics so not really focused on looking at behavior but about like the genetic origins of behavior Mm -hmm. and then that was semester one and at the start of semester two we had zoo biology so around January was the zoo biology course so (laughs) we were at the zoo when it was really snowy and cold but we made it through that's part of the job um, then we had another course about 
case studies in ecology and this course is done together with the ecology masters mm -hmm. so it's a little bit less focused on animal behavior specifically and a little bit more about how studying animal behavior can be used for you know sustainable development and and things like that and the final course and this is around april is the primate ethology course so we, mm -hmm. we have a professor that focuses specifically on primates okay. and then we we are allowed to to learn a little bit more about that. I mean, there there are closest relatives, so there's a lot to learn there. Um, and so our um, our first year actually ends early, so we mm -hmm. end at the end of April. And this is so that we have the opportunity to start our thesis early because our thesis yeah. is sixty credits, so one year long. So already in December, like at the end of semester one, we're already thinking about what we would like to do for our thesis. And at the end of February, we kind of have to more or less have decided what we want to do. And you have the opportunity to either choose one of the proposed topics that the university has for you, yeah. or you can go off on your own. And if you know of a research facility or another university, or a rescue group that does work that you're really interested in, you can also propose that and you can just reach out to them directly and, and ask them if they're willing to take you in as a master's student. Yeah. Um, so you pretty quickly go from, oh, we're having classes, this is great. And you <laughs> then to work, then to go to, to thesis. like, oh, uh, it's time to do my thesis. And the thesis is 60 credits, so you can start already in May. And, and that's what I did and many people did. And, you know, it, this is kind of to give the people the opportunity to work over the summer because when you're working with animals, yeah. you're always weather dependent. So a yeah. lot of people did data collection over the summer and mm -hmm. then kind of had their summer holidays, not really summer holidays anymore, but they took some time off a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and then your thesis, like one year later in at the end of March, mm -hmm. then you have to turn in your first draft. This is not your final thesis. It's just your first draft. You can still work on it a little bit. And then you have this final course that's called communicating science. So your program doesn't end when your thesis ends. You still have okay. that final course. So there's a little offset. So you start your that's thesis in May yeah. and you finish it at the end of March. And then you have this final course where you end up doing like you prepare a presentation, you prepare a poster, you prepare a website. Uh -huh. So you work a lot with how do you communicate science and you also get some feedback on your written thesis. And I feel like that takes off a lot of the pressure that's uh, on finishing thesis. That's something I noticed that there's a lot less pressure on having everything done by the deadline. And <laughs> it's, it's a lot less strict than I've seen other programs be. Mm -hmm. Great that you brought the topic of thesis. I was about to ask, this next, uh, ask that next. So uh, after having this amazing great <laughs> thesis, so <laughs> what's next? Like, where are you planning uh, to, to do next? What, what are your future plans? So I've just recently graduated and yeah. I, I have a summer job to do uh, yeah. after the graduation because I'm still a little bit undecided on what I have to do mm -hmm. or what I want to do, <laughs> not yeah. I have to. Um, but it, it is a little bit difficult to know what to do once you finish the program. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's easier if I tell you a little bit about what my like colleagues have gone on yeah. to do. Um, some have gone directly into PhDs and they're already working in at universities, you know, or research assistants and things like that. Mm -hmm. I know some people really want to work at zoos as, you know, uh, zoologists or welfare experts. Uh, other people are working in like uh, rehabilitation centers. 
Um, and I know there's a few that are interested in in not the behavior itself. I know some people did theses that were focused on um, like reproductive biology. So so not necessarily about behavior specifically. Yeah. So a little bit more uh, on on the smaller scale. So yeah. let's say it that way, um, which is also possible. I, I feel like when you have a one-year thesis and you're kind of just allowed to choose what you want to work in, then you end up with a really nice diversity of different theses that people are doing. This sounds like a very vast field, which I have yeah. never thought about. Like, I, I being an engineer, you, you know that, right? So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> believing but I just probably have that same view of engineers because I'm just like, <laughs> oh, engineers. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, engineers are this vast group and they do vastly different things. Yes. But we just call all of them engineers and we put them all in the same box. In the same box. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I feel that way about engineers. You you must uh, make all your engineer friends listen to this podcast. They they would be really excited yes. to know what things that you have studied. <laughs> so what uh, would be one thing that uh, you wish you would have known uh, before coming here? Mm. The um, there is one <clears throat> there is one tiny. Well, it's not tiny. There's one thing that I would say uh, has been hard in my education, but the, this is not like the master's fault and it's also not my bachelor's fault. It's just throughout my six years of studying at this point, uh, I've always been told that you need to learn programming in R. Oh. And this has been always told me by professors, by older students, by PhD students, you need to learn programming and R specifically because that's what everyone in the field uses. So for, for animal behavior specifically, and, and a lot of biology, they use R programming for all the statistics or, you know, to make graphs and, you know, whatever you do in R. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like that's something that's lacking in my education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had some statistics courses, but mostly focused on um, pre-made programs. So SPSS is one of them. I don't know if you know, but it's, it's just a pre-made statistics program. I it, yeah. yeah. But uh, R has always been set, like put on this pedestal of like, you need to learn R. If once you, you don't know R really, but it would, like once you are comfortable with this programming language, then you've unlocked like superior research status <laughs> because you, you can do this thing. And, and from my experience, most biologists don't enjoy programming that much. So I would say if you're listening at home and you don't really know if your like what do you want to do if you don't feel like you've learned R yet try and do that not because like you don't absolutely need it to get through the program and you don't absolutely need it to finish your thesis either like like I mentioned like SBSS and stuff you can use other programs to uh, do what you need to do in terms of statistics Mm -hmm. but if you have the opportunity to learn R do it because it is quite rare, surprisingly rare among among biologists, and and it's it's such a tool to have. And and I'm myself considering to go out and just do a course because it's been six years and I haven't learned it yet, and I'm a bit frustrated about that part. So that's that's one thing I would do differently if if I could go back. It's just force myself to learn it. <laughs> 
it was really amazing to get to know about all these insights and i believe it will help the future students probably and the current as well to also to get to know study about r so since we call uh, our podcast fika with us so i guess me and other listeners are also very interested to know like what is your favorite fika So I don't I'm not much of a cake person uh which I feel is always a bit awkward when you come on a podcast that's called Fika with us. <laughs> um but coming to Sweden has definitely reawoken my love for chai lattes uh-huh. which is just sweet tea with milk but for some reason it's just it's very comforting usually it has a little bit of cinnamon in it so it just it feels like a very comforting beverage i don't like coffee either i'm a tea person Uh-oh. um but i would say a chai latte if you come to sweden definitely <laughs> definitely get a chai latte i mean the best one is from espresso house but that's also mm-hmm. expensive mm-hmm. but we do have this shop on campus called uh, prespiron mm-hmm. and they have chai latte as well which i've never seen before but they have coffee machines that you know have coffees and cappuccinos and those things and there's also an option to select chai latte so if you're listening to this give that a try <laughs> i think it's it's 19 crowns for students mm-hmm. and even cheaper if you bring your own cup so i've never tried that probably i'll try I, i have some right here <laughs> <laughs> thank you for offering i will <laughs> in my case personally i love coffee and uh to have some cake yeah i'm not so fan of sweet but uh sometime i love to try the canebular yeah i mean just so we have a cake in here i'm going to say blueberry cake is good because it's not too sweet thank you for recommending <laughs> that's my next next cake then yes well let's just thank you so much for joining uh thank you so, so much for having me i really hope this helps anyone wondering about the program to make their decision and come here because sweden's great You have listened to Fika with us with me Abhijit and this episode's guest Rebecca. Don't forget to follow Linköping University on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to this podcast if you would like to hear more episodes like this one. We hope you enjoyed today's talk and that you will join us for a Fika again soon. Mm-hmm.